You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Duma on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. You made it. Welcome to Friday. Welcome to Hour 4 of The Big Show, live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, Wet Basement. We have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They are all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Week 17 of the CFL gets underway this evening with a doubleheader. Uh, the Toronto Argonauts into Winnipeg. And then uh, later on at 8.30, the Rough Riders take on the BC Lions out in Vancouver. And we uh, go down that at least piece in Sports Bar Guest Hotline. and joined by CFL Insider from 3 Down Nation and Sportsnet, Justin Dunk. JD, thank you so much. Uh, how are we, how we doing in the, in the land of living skies? That's where you are right now, eh? Yeah, buddy. Big game tonight. UBC Thunderbirds Ooh. at the Saskatchewan Huskies. First place in the Canada West on the line. Let's go. A couple heck Crichton trophies. Yeah. Candidates in this game, man. I'm jacked up. Yeah, I do have a in Stoon. I do have a I do have a college question later on for you. We'll get to that about the Heck Crichton and okay. UBC and their and their great start. But uh big news right now, I think in the CFL a lot of circles is this benching, uh well not benching, I should say. The the healthy scratching, I guess, third string quarterbacking of Chad Kelly tonight, as he's not gonna get the start against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Ryan Dinwiddie, using these uh weeks as the Bargos don't really have any bye weeks left until the opening round of the playoffs, really. Uh, what's your take on on the Argos benching Chad Kelly? And just it seems like it's the biggest game of the year. Two best teams in the league. You want to have that vibe, and Chad Kelly potential MOP is not going to play. Yeah, it doesn't matter, man. The Argos are focused on winning a yeah. great cup. I don't understand all the sour grapes of all the people out here going. The Argos are ruining the vibe. This is the <laughs> biggest game of the season. You know who ruined the vibe, guys? Let's blame the league yeah. because this game should have been. Week one to kick it off. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys remember, but the Stamps played in that game. It was a dud yep. ratings-wise. I was there. This should have been the game. So let's blame the schedule maker or the league office, mm-hmm. anybody else except for the Argos, because all they care about is winning a great cup. Mm-hmm. And I would tell Chad Kelly to sit his butt on that bench <laughs> until the playoffs. Staple it there if you have to. Freeze. I don't care what you do. You're not coming off the bench, because if Chad Kelly gets hurt mm-hmm. for the Argos, their chances of winning yeah, a great cup are obviously drastically different. Does the CFL maybe have to go look at the the unbalanced schedule? I know with the nine teams, it kind of throws a, a wrench into a lot of teams' plans. You have two teams on bye weeks. You have the Stamps, who will have two bye weeks here over the final six weeks of the year. It, 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 it can mess things up scheduling-wise. Is there anything that the CFL can do? Because obviously, we're not getting a 10th team anytime soon. But is there anything that the CFL can do with the scheduling? I know the NLL just did it this week. They scrapped the conferences. They just went to one table. I know that's been a talk around the CFL for a long time is until we get to 10 teams, what's the point of having East versus West? I know the Grey Cup, long-standing tradition, East versus West. But have we reached the point in the CFL where it's just like, hey, we just need a one table, and then we won't maybe have issues like this? If that 10th team isn't going to come anytime soon, obviously that would solve all of this. Mm -hmm. Then I think I'm starting to lean towards one division because then – you would have competition for those top two spots right now, right? This game would have meaning in Winnipeg, even mm-hmm. though it's deep mm-hmm. in the season and should have been the week one opener. So I can understand how fans would want to see that. And it makes sense in my head, at least, but the CFL is one that doesn't necessarily change and do things very quickly. So I don't necessarily think that's going to happen super fast, but it gives that idea some credence right now. It seriously does. Like, it's just because, like, I mean, like, you're really looking at, like, Toronto's next meaningful game is still well over a month away, November 12th, the East Final. It's just, like, I know Ryan Dinwiddie's got to balance, like, okay, I got to get these guys some playing time, but I also, like, 
this is a veteran-related group. We have a quarterback that we need to have be healthy. So it's just trying to find the balance for Ryan Dinwiddie right now. Definitely. And I honestly think this goes beyond the Argos and the balance. It's about the meaningless games, guys, mm-hmm. because you have fans out there that, yes, they love Canadian football and you're trying to attract new fans. More importantly, they want to watch meaningful football. And if you had that one division, then this game would be meaningful, along with a number of other games that are rendered meaningless with this division format. Obviously, the crossover helps a little bit, but meaningless games mean less eyeballs and ultimately less revenue for the CFL because the fans know it. They're not stupid. And yes, the Blue Bombers do have a sellout, and they've done a great job of generating hype around this game. But down the stretch there, if you're an Argos fan, why are you going to shell out that money to go to the remaining home games, right? If you're an away team that is hosting the Argos in this instance in Winnipeg, and yes, I know it's sold out, but they're next away games, why are you going to show up to watch a team that you know isn't running mm-hmm. at full go? So I think the league needs to look at that from just a revenue perspective along with everything else. Exactly, because you, you feel like you're throwing away money here with the, with the big games, and I know it's tough with how the East Division has been lacking for so long. There's only really been one dominant team, it feels like, for a decade. Uh, whether that's Hamilton or Toronto, whatever. It's just just a little bit uh, messy, and I feel like a, a one table would solve a lot of it, but we'll see. Uh, another thing that came through last uh, yesterday, I don't know how much credence this has, like if he's ever going to even come up here, but the Lions added Colin Kaepernick to their negotiation list. Now, he hasn't played professional football in, since 2016. I know he still has that the drive to go play in the NFL. It's probably never going to happen again, but is there... Any chance Colin Kaepernick says, hey, I'll I'll take my chances in the CFL if I really, really want to play football? I've talked to a lot of CFL people over the years, and I had reported in the past that the Alouettes had him on their list and took him off, and the Ticats had him on their negotiation Mm -hmm. list and took him off as well. And they never got any sense that Colin Kaepernick was looking to come to the CFL. And as much as CFL fans don't want to hear it, if he ever did come to the CFL, it really diminishes the way that people view him around the world and specifically NFL football fans, right? They see the NFL as the elite of the elite, the best football league in the world. And I think him being blackballed from the NFL is something that he's really lived off of because he's played in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So him coming to the CFL would have to mean a complete about face for him, his people around him, his entire camp there. So talking to some people about that move, I was told that they believe that there is next to no chance that he comes up here. I think it's somewhat smart from a Lions perspective yeah. because it maybe gets people talking about the team who otherwise would not have, and it makes for a great headline. But I just see it as a super long shot. What what goes into these nag lists? Do like the players that find themselves on the list uh, know that they're on the list, or is it just like, hey, you have an option if if this doesn't work out? Depends on the player, man. Sometimes yeah. these guys have no idea. I remember <laughs> a couple of years ago, I think it was Shaq Griffin or his brother there, I think Shaquem Griffin, okay. was tagged in a story, actually, that we reported on 3downation.com about him being on a CFL negotiation list. And he was like, nine on no negotiation list, and I'm not playing in the CFL. It's just <laughs> clear he didn't understand no. it. We actually had a back-and-forth DM with him, and I think it might have actually been just wide open for everybody else to see on Twitter. I guess we're calling it X these days. So that shows you that some players don't know. Some players don't understand it. There are players that do understand it. But from the team's perspective, really, they're putting a lot of younger players on there. Usually it's guys in the NCAA or guys that have 
kicked around in the NFL that are maybe on a practice roster mm-hmm. or are free agents or guys that they don't necessarily anticipate making an NFL roster out of training camp. There's a lot of scouting that goes on from CFL scouts. They pound the pavement and go to training camps in the NFL to find out, okay, would this guy actually fit the CFL? And what are his chances of making the roster here versus elsewhere? So there's a lot of communication between CFL scouts, talent evaluators, and NFL people for those negotiation lists. And the odd time, you do see some Canadians on there as they've kind of been missed in the CFL draft. So it's a case-by-case basis, I would say. And the odd time, you do see the big names that pop up on there. And sometimes, it's not the case all the time, when you see those big names pop up on there, it's because a Chris Jones, for example, has talked to a Trent Richardson, and there's some level of interest for him coming here, so he wants to make sure that somebody doesn't block yeah. him from doing so. Okay, that makes that makes a little bit more uh, more sense of that. Uh, the roof uh, seems to be falling here in Calgary. Uh, the Stampeders are going to have their first losing record since 2007, can probably kiss any chance at the postseason goodbye if they don't get a win tomorrow in Hamilton. Uh, just how surprised should we be that uh, in this drop-off with the Stampeders from Bo Levi and last year to this year with Jake Mayer? Like, I, I felt like, yeah, there's probably going to be a transition, and you kind of saw the, the tea leaves over the last few years that the Stamps weren't always go- going to be that old Stamps group, and they were kind of showing some wear. But, like, is it, is it surprising that it's been this dramatic of a drop-off? It definitely is, but on the flip side of that, I think it shows you the level that Bolivar Mitchell had this team at for so long consistently, right? Like they were a guaranteed playoff team, if not first place in the West division, locking it up early. Like we're seeing the Winnipeg blue bombers do right now. Mm -hmm. And I think it also really shows that it's not easy to find a franchise quarterback like that. It's difficult to find a guy that is consistently going to have you in football games and at the top of the standings. And even though they thought Jake Mayer was going to be that guy and they were really high on there coming into the season. And that's why they made the switch that when you become that guy, it's different. You're not that guy that's on the bench with little to no pressure on your shoulders because you know, the starters there, when you become the guy, there is so much more on your plate. And I'm not saying Mayer's never going to be a bona fide franchise quarterback, but he clearly has a long way to go to do so. I mean, there's other areas you can look at on this team. Kadeem Carey really hasn't mm-hmm. been healthy for the season. They've had the offensive line been banged up. At times, the secondary has been a complete band-aid for big parts of the season. But still, we're used to seeing the Stampeders be able to adapt and overcome. Those and yeah. Exactly. Find those guys to be the next man up, and that hasn't happened this year. Uh, Mike Alway fined for a fourth time this year for uh, for a dangerous hit. Is there a limit in the CFL for these before uh, fines before the CFL just says, say, take a seat for a week? There's not on paper, but okay. there should be with this yeah. guy. I think <laughs> you really got to show him that you mean business, man. It's one thing to fine him. It's like, what's well, like half a game half check. Paycheck. I mean, yeah. I can look up his salary and see, but like it's probably not going to be more than a couple thousand bucks, probably less than that. But if you send him down for a whole game, then you're like, you know, okay, this is like food off my table, mm-hmm. right? For my family and for me and for yeah. my living. So I need to adjust the way that I'm playing. And I think he needs to do so just for the peers around him in the CFL. Yeah, he's, he's, he's as much as a great player as he is, he's been a little angry out there sometimes. He needs to keep it in check <laughs> for his safety and, and for other guys as well. 
Uh, does Hamilton or Montreal provide any test to the Argonauts, you feel like, from stopping them to get to the Grey Cup this year? Because I think, yeah, obviously Hamilton's lost to them four times. Uh, but, you know, they've shown a little bit more juice offensively since Scott Milanovic got there. Tim White's probably one of the more underappreciated receivers in this game. And I think Taylor Powell's shown some good some good play as well. And who knows what Bo, Bo Levi Mitchell's going to be back uh, here as we get closer into October and whatnot. But And then in Montreal, I think they play really good defense. I think Fajardo's inconsistent. But... Any chance Hamilton or Montreal give Toronto a run in an East final? Those rivalry games are something that I'm sure are going to give the Argos a bit of the heebie-jeebies, but they've shown that even in a game where it didn't necessarily matter for them in the standings, that the Argos can go in there and win. Were they resting Chad Kelly? No, but still it wasn't a must-win game no. for Toronto, and they beat Hamilton for the fourth time. It's difficult to beat a team for the fifth time in a year, yes, but this Argos team is going to be – so rested for that game. And I'm kind of sick and tired of this rust versus rest, especially in football, because it's always better to have that rest. Always, 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 always. Probably out of more sport than any, eh? (laughs) Definitely. So to actually answer your question, I don't see either of these teams Mm -hmm. really pushing them that far. Yes, Montreal took them down to the wire at home, and there were some mistakes there from the Alouettes and the late goings that – allowed the Argos to win that game. But that game was in Montreal. It was a packed house there. It was rocking. It's going to be at BMO Field, a very comfortable environment. Chad Kelly has shown that he is just locked in. That's why I don't care if he plays another snap the rest of the regular season. I think this guy is that good and that focused that he will be ready to rip apart whatever team he's going to face in that East Final. Is it possible? Yes. The Tiger Cats have looked better with Taylor Powell in there. You're right about Tim White. James Butler has been running the heck out of the ball. Defense is playing much better. But that Argos team is just so deep. Like, they're scratching guys throughout the season that would be starters (laughs) on other CFL teams. Uh, That's embarrassment of riches right there out in Toronto. Uh, with what's going on in the rest of the Eastern Division. Uh, in the province, you're in there, Saskatchewan. Ryder fans probably want Craig Dickinson thrown out of town last week, probably last <laughs> month, maybe even last year. But last year, yeah, yeah. Anything outside of a Grey Cup probably does it for him in Saski, right? I would imagine, you know, as you said that, the hotel that I met in downtown Saskatchewan, the lady just walked in with green hair. So I think <laughs> we know where her allegiance is, right? You got to love Ryder Sanders. Maybe Everywhere. she's preparing for the Saskatchewan Huskies because they're green as well. Yeah. But, yeah, I think anything short of even a West final, and Dickinson is probably not going to have his contract renewed. You can already kind of see the way they're going to do this. You know, the team has parted ways with him. Mm-hmm. The flip side of this, though, and talking with a lot of my colleagues at 3downnation.com and even people around the league is, Okay, if you're the Riders, who do you go get? Exactly. I actually think Kelly Jeffrey would be an intriguing candidate. He's a much different voice in that room that is respected and has had the offense going fairly consistently here. Yes, there's been dips and there's been some highs as well, but considering he's had to deal with three different starting quarterbacks, Trevor Harris yeah. and then Mason Fine and now Jake Dolagallo, so I think he could be an intriguing internal candidate there. And then outside, I would have to look at a guy like Jordan Maximic in BC, especially if you want to go offense. There's going to be some other candidates that pop up. I would imagine Corey Mace, the Argos yep. talented defensive coordinator, is going to be in the mix. Obviously, Calgary Stampeders fans know him very well, and there'll be some other names out there, I think. But those would be the guys at the top of my list right now if you're a Rough Riders fan. 
How how much big? I don't know if it's a problem or if it's maybe concern, but is there concern maybe in the CFL head office with how the riders have 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 been maybe since moving into the mosaic in this new stadium where you can always count on a strong return in Regina, but it feels like it's just it's not right there. The juice isn't all there in Regina over the last few years. I would agree. I think that, and this is from talking to the locals, the team has kind of relied on being the Rough Riders in the green and white, and they maybe haven't gone out and marketed and pounded the pavement, so to speak, as hard as they should to have consistent sellouts at Mosaic Stadium. Yes, there was the excitement for that place to open, and a lot of people wanted to come and check it out for the first time for the first couple of years. But I think also part of that, though, has been, you know, this team not necessarily having, like, a bona fide franchise quarterback like Darian Durant when he was there for so many years, right? A guy that's been there for a long time. Yes, Cody Fajardo kind of came along, and now it's Trevor Harris, and he's kind of getting on in his career, and is he going to come back from this injury? It's possible, but I think that that's definitely part of it. So I would agree overall with you that I think the riders, from a business perspective overall, need to – maximize it better right rider nation is deep man i yeah. saw it on the east coast for two years in a row for touchdown atlantic everywhere i go dude i see like rider like gear at pearson all airport all the yeah. time in toronto like all over the place it's insane it was, it was so, always the second most popular team here exactly so <laughs> you can see how people are showing up to the other visiting stadiums and putting the green and white on and I don't necessarily think that that's not happening at Mosaic. It's just not to the level that we all expect. Yeah. So I think, you know, part of that has to do with when the riders can get favorable home games and the scheduling. And you talked about it earlier, the unbalanced schedule right now. I think if you had an even number of teams, you would have more preferable home dates, right? Yeah. Obviously, they like those like Saturday afternoon night games where people can travel in from around yeah. the province. So. Some of that has been due to not ideal start times, but still, like that place should be full all the time. Should be. A uh, couple of legends at quarterback had some nice words to describe the Dolphins' hot start on offense down in the NFL, and it's it's they compared it to the CFL. Aaron Rodgers uh, compared it the the way they do their offense to that, and same with Troy Aikman. Can you talk to you were a quarterback, obviously playing at the U sport level, and like how much of a luxury is it for you to have that waggle for those guys, like the type of receiver that can just hit the line, run in, can put a cornerback essentially on skates and have them turn around, like you have to turn around and match speed with this guy. And you're kind of seeing that with the Dolphins. Do you, what what kind of difference does that waggle have compared uh, compared to just guys lining up? Dude, it's huge, especially for American players who have grown up playing four down ball with not much motion and the way that Mike McDaniel scheming it up with the dolphins has been very intriguing because those American defensive backs are not used to defending this. And we see it all the time in training camp in Canada, right? Even early season in games where guys are just not used to dealing with receivers running full speed. And it would be hard for anybody to get used to Tyree kill the cheetah running full speed or at least having a running start with what McDaniel's done. I think it's really intriguing. There's been sort of this quiet push, I think, in the United States for the NFL to go to this, to have receivers running at the line of scrimmage. But I just think that the game has already tilted so much in favor of these offenses down there. And you're not going to go out and score 70 points all the time if you're the Dolphins, but they're darn well going to try. And I Mm -hmm. like the creativeness from McDaniel. And honestly, You look at the scoring per game over the last, especially few years, NFL versus CFL, and the NFL is higher. So Mm -hmm. I think that actually at this point, and it's a nice compliment to the CFL from the past, but some of these CFL teams should be looking at what these NFL teams are doing to scheme up and get these guys 
consistently, like Tyreek Hill somehow gets a bunch of these one-on-one matchups. <laughs> and he's by far, obviously, the best receiver on that team. And Jalen Walla hasn't even played for a couple games. Mm-hmm. So I think some CFL offenses should actually be looking down there for okay. the innovations recently because the scoring has been opened up in the NFL as much as the CFL has tried to manufacture points with some of the field position and the kickoffs and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But I think it kind of goes both ways. The compliment is obviously great from Troy Aikman and Aaron Rodgers and the guys down there. But the CFL, I think, needs to up their scoring level, right? We're not seeing guys consistently throw for yeah. 5,000 yards yeah. and 40, 50 touchdowns, right? There's a couple guys that do it every year. Zach Calaris has been pretty consistent in that. But then there's a bunch of games that he plays in that don't matter, going back to that problem we talked about off the no, top. Exa- exactly. How many, like, you have games, they, they, oh, here's a 36-31 game, or here's a 42-38. Like, but yeah, I totally see. You don't see those really high up and down the field type games in the CFL. And yeah, the NFL kind of took it. And now the CFL needs to take a little bit from there. So I totally agree with that. Uh, so you're, you're in Saskatchewan getting ready for a big one tonight with the, with the T-Birds and the, and the Huskies out here in Can West. Uh, midway through the youth sports season, obviously Montreal's up there, Western, Laval, traditionally great. But out West here, man, UBC's been good, and they're led by a Texan at quarterback. <laughs> what can you tell me about Garrett Rooker and a possible Heck Crichton campaign for the guy? Rooker's an intriguing dude, man. So last year, actually, against these Saskatchewan Huskies, he suffered a major hip injury that required two plates to be put in there and a bunch of screws obviously to hold it in and then the guys come out and throw 10 touchdowns only one interception is averaging like well over 300 yards per game you want to talk about offense then people need to turn this game on okay throughout the western provinces tonight it's on Saskatel and Saskatchewan and I'm sure there's a way that people can find it obviously in Alberta and the other provinces because he's got to spread the ball around they actually have a running back, Dane Kapler, who's leading the team in catches with 16. And they got some burners. Shamar McBean is a guy that can get vertical in a hurry, probably runs around the 4-5 range. They've got some big, physical, imposing targets. They've got a running back, Isaiah Knight, out of the backfield. That is a guy that can run the rock really well and also catch it and take it to the house. But Rooker has been dynamic. And he's going through his reads and just finding dudes that are open and throwing the ball down the field. He's been really impressive. So, I think it's going to be a lot to handle for the Huskies. And you mentioned Roker's background as a Texan. They actually have two quarterbacks from Texas on the roster. Derek Engel is the other one, his backup. I believe it's his mom that's Canadian, though, so there was a connection there to get Engel up here. But it shows you Blake Mill, you know what he's like from the University of Calgary, willing to go anywhere to find any kind of talent. And he's put together a very dynamic roster, especially on offense. They got two guys to watch, Theo Benedet and... Gabriel Manu, who have had multiple NFL teams already travel to Vancouver this season to take an up-close-and-personal look at these guys. Benedette went to the East-West Shrine Bowl last year, so he is very well-known by NFL scouts now. So those two tackles are really pillars of this offense. As good as Rooker has been, I think I could have put up numbers just like that if I had two tackles as talented as Rooker has right now because these dudes are legit, and I would say odds are one of them has a real potential to play on Sundays. That's Benedette, and I think Manu does as well. Wow, that's awesome. That's great. Great seeing that the Can West and, and U Sport is is also getting some love from the NFL and and UBC. What Blake Nill's done there, I know. I know Calgary would probably take him in a heartbeat with how the Dinos have been over the last few seasons. 
Uh, Carrie Underwood, uh, that's a big get. Kicking off Grey Cup weekend in Hamilton. Uh, are they expecting a grab an equally as big act for Sunday at the ha- halftime show? They can't take this announcement into the postseason like they did last year. Eh? They have, they want to get this thing out ahead of time. You would think so, but I think they actually like the timing okay. of the announcement okay. last year because people knew for a long time last year who it was going to be. I should say the people in the know knew it was going to be, and they certainly wouldn't tell me because <laughs> they didn't want to get in trouble, obviously. But I think it's going to be hard for the CFL to get an act bigger than Carrie yeah, Underwood, right? Exactly. She's known throughout North America and arguably even around the world. She's doing her thing in Vegas these days. So to get somebody bigger than her, I think would be very difficult. Ideally, you know, I've seen it from a lot of people. They said it's in Hamilton. They'd like to get, you know, Drake to come down to QEW. I don't think that that's going to happen because you're probably going to have to pay him so much. And Drake mm-hmm. would probably rather do it when it's actually in his city. I think that matches up much more with his brand. But, yeah. man, credit on them for just getting Underwood to be part of that weekend, however it came together. Hey, that's all right because Hamilton, they didn't really have the Grey Cup uh, Festival, everything when they hosted it two years ago because of the pandemic. They get a real Grey Cup this year and uh, should be a good one down there in uh, late November, mid-November, whatever it is. Uh, Justin, thank you so much for joining. What are we doing down at Three Down Nation? Uh, what are we, should we be looking at? Oh, buddy. We got our picks up for the week. And what else is cooking there? Probably have some hot takes on Colin Kaepernick, I think, would be around the corner. Oh, yeah. And uh, all the latest news, man. You know yep. where to go. All the right, latest news. Got it right in front of me. 3downnation.com. Justin, thank you so much. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks, dude. Good to be on with you. Thank you. There you go. There's Justin Dunk from 3 Down Nation, Sportsnet, all things CFL. Yeah, should be a good one tonight. Well, I don't know. Bombers uh, should probably handle the Argonauts because they're standing there. They're, they're not playing Chad Kelly, but I am a big proponent from moving to a one-table system, at least until you can get a, a team out in Atlantic Canada. Around the corner, we're going to have some fun GBP. We're going to have some more NHL burning questions. Yeah. Had, had that last week. We're going to bring it back this week. Uh, a little, little bit of fun here to close you out on your week as Big Show Hour 4 continues here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. Welcome back. Closing things down here. Big Show Hour number four. Flames and Oilers tonight from the Scotiabank. Saddledome will be on the air at 6 o'clock with Flames pregame with Pat Steinberg. 7 o'clock puck drop right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. The rosters have been tweeted out by our own Pat Steinberg. Flames going with a much more veteran-laden group, obviously, being the home team. Uh, Dan Vladar and Dustin Wolf are your goalies. Got Rasmus, Chris Tanev, Noah Hannafin, as your three NHL regulars, and then you got Jeremy Poirier, uh, Jordan Osterle, who's uh, likely kind of be on the opening night roster, uh, Ilya Sololyov, uh, and then the, the forward group, a lot more uh, NHL names here. You got Huberto, Backlund, Sharon Govich, Coleman, Lindholm, Dubé, Coronado, Hanzik's going to be there, uh, Clark Bishop, Walker Dewar, Cole Schwint, Nazem Kadri. The Oilers, they're setting a much more, uh, I would say, AHL fringe NHLer type lineup, obviously being on the road. Jack Campbell should be getting the start. They got Cody Ceci, Brett Kulak, Vincent DeHarnay as your uh, defense regulars you'd see on the Oilers coming up this season. You got Drake Kagula back in the fold. Derek Ryan's coming up as well. Uh, so, yeah, a much more NHL lineup for the Flames compared to the Oilers. But, again, 7 o'clock tonight, you'll have it right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. Blue Jays also in action, beginning a massive series. Magic number down to two with the Tampa Bay Rays on clinching a playoff spot. Um, you can listen to that one. You can stream it on uh, on the Sportsnet app. Might be on our alt stream, too. No, the, no? the, the Hitman okay. and... Uh, okay. Wow, lots of sports. The, yes, exactly. Yes. Hitman and Broncos are going to be on the alternate stream. 
this evening. But yeah, if you want to listen to the Blue Jays, they'll be on the Sportsnet Average. Watch them on Sportsnet West. Uh, Yusei Kikuchi getting the start for the uh, for the Jays. I haven't seen who's uh, who's uh, Tampa Bay thrown out there. Is Tampa really? They can kind of just do what they want. They know where they're going to be. Uh, Savali is going to go for uh, the Tampa Bay. Rays. Uh, had a clip from 32 Thoughts uh, earlier on. Uh, it's uh, Elliot Freeman, Jeff Merrick, their initial thoughts on the Michael Backlund extension, the captaincy. It's about three minutes. We'll play that before we get into uh, a little of fun before we uh, we say goodbye. Uh, we'll start with the Calgary Flames and uh, Michael Backlund with the new deal and the new letter. Uh, he's now the captain of the Calgary Flames and he has a brand new two-year contract extension in his hip pocket. Uh, it is worth $9 million for an AAV of $4.5 million. So now he's had four different general managers in Calgary sign him to contracts. Jay Feaster, Daryl Sutter, Brad Treliving, and now Craig Conroy. Your thoughts on all of this? We've talked about Backlund going back to last season with this deal. Well, number one, this is a big victory for the Flames, even more of a victory than it is for Backlund. As we talked about in a previous podcast, Jeff, the marriage between Backlund and the Flames has benefited everyone, the organization, the player, the family, the community. And if he stays all the way through this contract, it will be 19 years since he was Mm. drafted in 2007 by the Calgary Flames. But the reason that the team and the organization wins the most in this case is you'll remember how everybody went home after last year and Backlund was one of the most vocal about it and this is why I always say time can change feelings no matter how someone feels in the moment there are opportunities for them to calm down and refocus their energy And Backlund had a chance over the summer. He came back, by all accounts, a very different person with very different feelings. And he told the Flames, I think he met with Craig Conroy not long uh, after he got back, and he kind of indicated, I feel a lot better about things. And this was the guy the Flames had to get done first. I know there's a lot of talk about Lindholm, but I do think if there's going to be more here, Backlund was actually the linchpin. You know, if you ask the players there, and, you know, they had felt that last year there had to be a captain, and they felt the captain was Backlund. Even if the second C... Because if you say, Jeff, the C is not on his jersey, that's a lie. There is a big C on his jersey, but it's not the captain C. Oh, nice Um, Yeah, thank you. Uh, He was the captain of the team. And I think a lot of players look to him when things are going wrong, how are we going to fix this? So it's a huge win for the Flames to get him signed and get him in there. And I, I think it's it's good news for the fans. All of a sudden now the fans feel a little better. And I think if they if there was something that they were hoping would tip some of their guys towards staying, I think Backlund being there for three more years and having the C on his jersey, it doesn't solve everything. You still have to make deals with these players, but I think it makes everybody else feel a little bit better about where the team is going. Yeah, I think uh, we heard it earlier with our conversation with Frank. Is uh, Michael Backlund is the biggest Flames salesman they have right now? Yeah, that this is a guy who's been here his entire adult life, his entire professional career, and yeah, the ceiling like it was hell last year. 
Mm-hmm. From everybody, from everyone's account, nobody enjoyed last year. Yeah, it seems like we're hearing more and more stories as time goes on of just how toxic some of that situation was last season. And if a guy, like you said, Michael Backlund, who's been here for his entire career, you know, by the time his contract expires, he's going to be going on almost two decades here. Yeah. And if he was someone that was like looking elsewhere, that that was definitely a huge shock. Yeah, to like the... if Michael Backlund didn't want to be here anymore, like who the hell else wanted to be? Here? Exactly, exactly. Exactly. So um, that that extension probably isn't going to totally influence or totally change the no. minds of Elias Lindholm no. and Noah Hannafin, but it, it can't hurt. No, right? I, I think it's like if anybody can tell you anything about this city, what this team, what the people are like, it's Michael Backlund, and it's a, it's a. I think a lot of guys around the NHL would like to play with Michael Backlund. Yeah, I think he's a he's a very respected dude around the league. I think, and I think Calgary's got a great job here. They got him. He's going to be the face of the franchise. Yeah, and, and Matty has said it time and time again. Yeah. When you have a guy who's struggling, who do you throw him on the wing with? Michael Backlund. Michael Backlund. Exactly. He's so, a fixer. Yeah, he's a fixer. Uh, but yes, that's uh, that's that's our uh, the full thirty-two thoughts. They they made a tribute at the start. Uh, the entire episode is dedicated to uh, Chris Snow, uh, who's uh, who obviously had had the the tragedy happen earlier this week with with the Snow family and everything. So uh, our thoughts with with the Snow family, but uh, obviously the, the the podcast goes into that a little bit more as well. If you want to check it out, head over to Sportsnet.ca. Uh, some fun air to close out the week. About uh, 15 minutes or so to go. Uh, some NHL burning questions. We brought this back last week. Uh, just a little training camp preview. Now that we've uh, completed our first week of camp, you can start thinking about futures. Like mm-hmm. who's who's on the hot seat as a coach? Oh, yeah. What teams need to be really need to be knocking on the Stanley Cup window? Or, or which like, team is going to stink? Or which team is going to suck? Right? <laughs> There's always going to be somebody finishing 32nd. Uh, but it's time for some NHL burning questions with GVP. Nice. We need a voice person to set up something if this is going to be regular, but I get it. I get okay. it. We got it. The, the, the bet is nice. GVP, I mentioned it last week. Yeah. But Connor McDavid, could he hit 170 points? Well, Sidney Crosby thinks he could hit 170 points. That's a good guy to back you That's up. That's a good guy to back you up. Over, under. Connor McDavid points this year. I'll set the total at 150. See, I like that line a lot better. That feels a lot more achievable and... I think he could get to 160, but the the way he's going to get to that split, he'd have to have 100 assists. I think like 70 goals. Just I think that's way a big too thing. High. I think even if he doesn't even hit 170 points, seeing somebody get 100 assists yeah, in wh- this modern game. When was game, the last time we've seen that done? I, I off the top of my been, head, had to been Gretzky or, or maybe Lemieux or something like that. Oh, we'll I'll have to look, but yeah, it has been probably late 80s, early exactly. 90s was definitely the last time somebody hit the, the century mark in assists. So I. Man, 150 feels. I, you know, I, I don't want to bet against Connor McDavid. I'm going to take the over. There. Over. 100. It'll be right around that mark, though. Okay. 155. I think he'd settle. At. Okay. Okay. Uh yeah. I think I think I'd see her settle around 100. Anywhere between 145 and 155. Mm-hmm. I think. Okay. I think that's my guess. Uh, will the Toronto Maple Leafs have a new deal for William Nylander before Christmas? Ah, uh, yes. I think they will. Yeah. I think they will. I think I think both sides are making an extension their number one priority. It seems like that's what Brad Living has mm-hmm. next to do on his to-do list out there. Uh, and William Nylander has said that that's the only place that he wants to play. Of course. But that being said, William Nylander is also a guy that knows what he's worth, and he's sat out before for a little bit of time. Yeah. So it, it, it's going to be tough, but... They, the Leafs have a lot of things going for them in their favor. They're going to be a super competitive team this year. Mm-hmm. A team that, you know, I think could actually maybe even get over the hump and, and make a lot of noise in the postseason. So competitiveness is not an, an issue for them there. And 
the cap is going to be going up too, allegedly. Mm -hmm. But we'll, we'll see how much that makes an impact. But I, I, I think they'll get things done. It seems like both guys are are happy with the situation yeah. that they're in. So I think they'll be able to get it done. Yeah, we'll see how this uh, center experiment works uh, with him uh, practice, uh, playing uh, center, at least to start the year. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes had a respectable 21-15-5 record at the mullet last year. Mm -hmm. They went 7-25-9 on the road. With all, you know, they had a quiet, nice offseason. I'm not saying playoffs. Okay. But do the Coyotes finish above 500 this year? Man, it, it's, it's hard to put, like, any amount of success when you're talking about the Arizona Coyotes. Just Batman because 500. Like, Batman 500. He's yeah. got to have more wins and losses. Exactly. Regulation like, losses. I, I think Logan Cooley is going to have an amazing rookie season this year. He's looks like he's NHL ready. I, I love Clayton Keller's game as Macklin, well. Or not Macklin Celebrity. We'll get to Macklin Celebrity in a minute. Uh, Matias Michelli. Uh -huh. That's a guy I'm super excited for as well. That was like quite, I think he led rookies in assists last year. That's another guy I'm really excited for. They got yeah. some nice players there. Yeah, they added uh, Kerfoot from Toronto. Corrali well. on the defense. Yeah. Um, oh, man, uh, if they're, are they going to be 500? They're playing in a, in a weak division too, like maybe the weakest division in hockey out in the Probably. central. I'd say. I'd say yeah. Um, some some of the other teams have gotten better too in that in that division. Like like Chicago, I'm not saying they're going to be good by any means, but they're going to be a bit more exciting this year. Can Bedard give them a couple more wins here or there? I I think so. Can they get to 500? I'd say no, but they're going to be itching right around that marker, I would say. So they had 28 wins and 40 regulation losses, I believe, last year, if my math is correct, and it hasn't been today. But that road record, if they just were able to maybe like, cut those in half? I, I think they can get somewhere around 35 wins. Okay. Something I think like that's that. a step forward. I think yeah. Andre Turney is doing a great job, as a lot of people maybe like, eh, this is just a coach in waiting. Like, he's He's just a stopgap coach. Worry about a uh, new coach in line. I think Dondre Turnier could be legit. Whether this is in Arizona, whether it's in Houston, whether it's in Salt Lake, I think Turnier could be the coach of this franchise for years to come. Yeah. Um, can the Tampa Bay like Lightning survive the first two months of the season without Andre Vasilevsky, or will the injury doom the Bolts and sink their playoff chances before they even really get a chance? Because we know that uh, U.S. Thanksgiving mark uh -huh. is probably going to be back at the start of December. Are the Lightning good enough to sustain without one of the world's best goaltenders? Sustain meaning like hang around in the playoff hunt and whatnot? Hang around as a playoff team. Just yeah. be a, a top eight team without Andre Vasilevsky. It's going to be very hard. Um, Especially with the goaltending they have now. Yeah, and they're an aging team. It feels like their their championship window is, is really starting to close like it, on them. It might be a little sliver. Like just, just a crack open, but like... Ah... Uh, Survive? I'm going to give them some credit. I, I think they'll be able to survive. Are, are they going to be on the outside looking in from time to time and just kind of barely hanging around in that top eight spot? The East is just so good. It's stacked. It's just so good, especially that a Atlantic division. So um, I, I think they'll be able to just hang on, but that that's a tough loss for them. Arguably the best goaltender in the NHL I mean, down if, for two months. If you're a Leafs fan and you're thinking your two biggest holes to get it, like your two biggest blocks to getting to a, a, a cup final or down the line was Boston and Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Boston just don't have the top two centers. No. Nope. Yeah. Tampa doesn't have their top goalie. They've got, you know, a lot of noise around that group. I don't know. If I'm if I'm if those other teams in the Atlantic, I'm I'm loving what's going on with Tampa Bay right now. Uh Craig Barube and Mike Sullivan. Uh two coaches I'd consider maybe on the hot seat to start if if the season gets off to a bad go for the Blues and Penguins. Which one doesn't see the end of the year? Or do both survive? Um 
I, these teams are just in two wildly different scenarios. I feel like Pittsburgh is trying to make Pittsburgh's taking one last crack, one, this one last run. So if I, I feel like they're going to kind of go with the group that they got, if that makes sense. Mm. If if this is one final run, I think they go out together kind of thing. So Mike Sullivan's been their guy. He's proven that he can win with them before. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like he's the guy that that will survive if one of them does. And, and Barube out in St. Louis is like, like this team like wants to be getting better. They are younger than the Penguins as well. Jordan Cairo mm-hmm. is an excellent player and all that. Um, if they, you know, get off to a cold start, like I said, the Central Division, arguably the worst division in hockey. If, if there's a team that can sneak into the playoffs, it could be the St. Louis Blues. So if they get off to a slow start, I feel like it's him that, that loses a job, right? right? I mean, St. Louis, the, the, the year they win the Cup, they were the worst team in the league at the start of the year, uh, the turn of the new year, and then they rally. They get all the way to the Stanley Cup final. But really, since then, the Blues have been kind of eh. Just eh, right? Just like, what are they you do, doing Like, here? Robert Thomas is a super underrated yeah. goal scorer. Kairou, yeah. like I said, super fast, exciting player. Yeah. So no, they, ter- yeah, no Tarasenko there now. Mm-hmm. So They have their leadership locked up in Braden Shen now, yeah. so a bit more structure for them, but... It, it feels like they have a lot more on the line than the Penguins, doesn't it? Because well, I don't know. I think with, with, with the moves that Pittsburgh did with getting Eric Carlson, I guess they went all in, yeah. And with this age of last year signing, you know, Latang to the long term, keeping Malkin around, you know, yeah, it's an it's an aging core here in Pittsburgh. But this was a team that missed the playoffs for the first, only the second time in the Crosby era last year. And if they get off to a slow start in Pittsburgh, and I know it's like with the with the players and everything, but. I don't know. I, do you think, I, I worry about Mike Sullivan if, if Pittsburgh gets off to a, a rough start in October. Do you think a Carlson Latang tandem or like both of those guys on the blue line is going to work for them? Because we saw out in Saint, uh, San Jose with Carlson and Burns that that, that was just a matchup. Yeah, that, when you that, have that, two that like, work. two offensive minded defensemen trying to run and you run the show here. I'm I'm wondering how that'll work. I, I'm not I'm not big on the Penguins. I don't know how how their camp's going. I don't know how the lines and pairings are all set up. But right. After that, it feels like eh. I don't yeah. know. Uh, I'm, I'm you're on the, you're I'm banking on, the on Eric Carlson to do what he did last year. Are you confident that he can be that guy again? I don't know if he's a 100-point guy. I don't know sure. if he's going to be that that dude again. But I think he can probably be kind of where he was in Ottawa, where he was yeah. like, yeah, this is a top five defenseman in the NHL, offensive defenseman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you I want to see him get better in the defensive zone as well. Yeah, I don't think he's a 100-point guy. Yeah, that's the thing. You need him to be. You need him to be, be better in the at, zone. At, this at isn't least, San Jose. At this least somewhat. Uh, yeah, exactly. This isn't San Jose where you're like, yeah, you score. We suck anyway. Carlson, this go, go play forward, but line up on the blue line. That's exactly. what he was doing out in San Jose exactly. This here. is Pittsburgh. They will not take that crap. Exactly. So. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the Penguins did go all in, so yeah, there is there is heat on Sullivan. But like you said, they they've been there, they've done that, they've done the dance. So I feel like they're going to stick with their guy. So Barube is probably not going to be there if they, if they get off to a bad start. Okay. Um, Macklin Celebrini, Cole Iserman, Ivan Demidov are the top prospects for the 2024 NHL draft. What team GVP do you believe will finish dead last in the NHL and give them the best lottery odds at one of those players? Um, see, like. Anaheim was a, was a terrible team last year, but they they do have some younger guys that are entering. I think Anaheim's going to take a little step. Exactly, forward. it's kind of yeah. want to get into. Um, and we might have even just talked about them a little bit. Like, is San Jose going to be any good this season? They just they yeah. just moved off of Eric Carlson. Yeah. And well, looking at their lineup, there's nothing that really jumps off the page for me there. Yeah, the prospects aren't there quite yet. Uh, they're still refilling that system. It might be tough days in San Jose. I, I agree. Uh, 
like Thomas Hurdle is their first line center. They still have Logan Couture around there. Anthony Declare is an established NHL player, but like like I said, their prospect system doesn't seem to be anything special for a team that hasn't been great for the last. Do you think Chicago years. is uh, down there with Bedard even? Uh, I don't think they're going to be in the bottom three, but they're definitely not a playoff team. They're mm-hmm. they're definitely far away from that. Bedard is going to have a super exciting season. I I think I'm I'm super high on him. I I think yep. he's gonna have 40 goals no problem had the game winning assist yesterday in that in the Blackhawks first preseason game yeah Looked and good. and Chicago did add a couple of guys like Taylor Hall is still yeah, a reliable guy to there. play with Anthony Sioux will be on the other side of him there so Felino. yeah Felino as well yeah. just for some veteran stuff there so it, it feels like there's a lot more excitement and hype around Chicago than any of these other teams so I think that alone can kind of push them forward I, I think Columbus is in a tough spot too yeah I think Mike Babcock would have been able to get more out of that Columbus team than maybe when Pascal Vincent, Pascal be Vincent because you know he's not an established NHL coach at all so Fantilli I think probably would have went first overall in any other draft so we'll see how he has his rookie season mm-hmm. pans out but if I had to pick one I think San Jose is in, is in rough shape maybe Columbus as well okay Opposite end, what team will finish with the number one record in the NHL, President's Trophy champ? I think the Dallas Stars are a really good team. I think the Dallas Stars are a really good team. We talked about this last week when uh, we kind of did this segment before, but I I think Jason Robertson could be a sneaky pick for someone to to lead the league in goals or maybe even crack that 60 marker. I know he was on the outside looking in on 50 last season, but every single year his game seems to be progressing. They always have a young guy step up every year. It just seems like another one of their prospects. Is, is it Wyatt Johnson this year? Like, yeah. who knows? Like, it's just, yeah, Dallas is a good group. They're a good group. I are, I think they have the best goaltender in the Western Conference, too, and Jake Ottinger. You can either, you know, go heads or tails with him and Connor Halibut, mm-hmm. but for, from what I've seen from Ottinger, and he's proven it in the playoffs that he's, he's, you know, among the elite, if not the best in the Western Conference. They made some decent additions. I, I think Matt Duchesne still has a lot to give, and he'll be playing on their third line. Mm-hmm. I'm high, yeah, I'm high on the stars. Yeah, how come Miro Heiskanen has almost become somewhat underrated, I feel? Yep. And yep. I, I think he's honestly a top-five defenseman he, in the NHL. Exactly. He took another step forward last year uh, as his defensive game rounds out. Uh, the stars are a really good pick. I think uh, you have to probably look to, I don't know, Carolina is a possibility. True. Colorado? Because they're going to be fully uh, healthy this year? No, but they still don't have uh, Landeskog, right? I guess, yeah. And, and the goaltending, we'll see how good that is. I don't know. I, Colorado's a... Colorado's an interesting team for me this year. Is there going to be a cup hangover with Vegas? Or, or like, why do you think their start will be? I don't think Vegas is going to be, like, the best team in the league, but I think they're still just a team that you have to always worry about. Going right. They're just going to be a, they're, they're a team built for, for that time of year. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I, Dallas is a good pick for President's Trophy. Thanks. They could beat up on a good on that division too. So, do you think do you think Toronto could have a shot Toronto at this too? Was a, was my, I, I think that's someone Toronto as well. was a, was another one I was thinking of as well. As this like Atlantic Division opens up, they're going to be able to score. Uh, maybe this leads us to the final question: What team has been knocking on the door that needs needs to get to a Cup final this year? I, I think this is honestly a pretty easy pick. I, I think it's the Carolina Hurricanes. Okay, they're up there, yeah. Yeah, this is a team that has, you know, had great regular seasons for the last, you know, five years. They have excellent coaching in Rod Brindamore. Mm-hmm. I think the system he brings is excellent. And they'll be getting their goal scorers back healthy this yeah. year. Yeah, oh, they'll have uh, Svechnikov hopefully yeah. for a deep playoff run. They yeah. didn't have him for the majority of that. Uh, they, they got some pretty good goaltending. It's it's I, Frederick Anderson, Antti Ranta is their pairing right now. It, mm-hmm. It's... It's reliable. I'm not saying it's outstanding by any means, but 
they got they got some pieces on the back end that I like too. I, I like Burns obviously back there. Slavin's game I think is underrated. He's a good puck moving defenseman. Brady Shea's a young good defenseman they have back there. So I I think it's the Hurricanes like it's almost now or never for them. I feel. And I think you have to look at the team up north. This was a yeah, team that got Edmonton. to a conference mm-hmm. final two years ago. Colorado ran them into the ground. Got to the second round last year. Vegas ran them into the ground. Mm-hmm. How much more can Edmonton take? They, the Oilers are. This is a big year in Edmonton for Connor McDavid, Leon Drysaddle to, you know, get to the conference final again. Because we thought last year, oh, play the, the way the West went. Oh, this is Edmonton walked themselves they to the should. Western Conference yeah. final, but. That's why they play the game. I think Edmonton is a team that needs to be up there. Toronto is obviously a team that needs to be up there. And then I like your pick with Carolina. That's been a team that's been creeping around the top of the Eastern Conference for the last five, six years or so. With, with them, it just feels like I don't know what happens to them in the playoffs. Last year, it felt like it was more like injuries. Like but gold. the year before, they couldn't win on yeah, home ice. Exactly. It was just like super, super odd with them. And I, I when I look at their lineup, I'm not I'm not really sure what their missing piece is. They're a team that just puzzles me. Like, they have great coaching. Their goaltending, like I said, is somewhat solid. They have some really, like, I'm not going to say, like, elite players, but they have some stars, quote-unquote. Yeah, they got but, a good team makeup. Uh-huh, exactly. Yeah. So I think that's one. I, I love your pick with the Edmonton Oilers, mm-hmm. too, because, like, how can you not feel like you, you can get over you the hump the when two, you got the two best players in the NHL? two of the three best players on the planet playing with you. Yeah, it's time to go. A lot of that's going to fall on Jack Campbell. Can he step up and be back to where he needs to be because I don't think you can rely on Stuart Skinner all the time again this yeah. year. It's going to have to be a duo up in Edmonton. Is that defense core good enough to, to, to sustain it? We'll see. But I think Edmonton and Edmonton out west would be a team that uh, should probably be uh, kicking themselves yeah. if, uh, if they're not uh, at least close to a cup final yeah, I like that this year. Uh, there's you go. There's NHL burning questions with myself and uh, GVP. We'll uh, we'll probably trot this out uh, next week if I figure out something. Yeah, I, I think this is a Friday thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I like, like this for Friday. Uh, but yeah, uh, I want to thank everybody involved in today's show. GVP behind the board. Adam Stanley, Julian McKenzie, Frank Saravalli, Justin Dunk. All those interviews will be up on our podcast feed. I know the first three are up there. Justin Dunk will be up there in a matter of moments as well. It's a Calgary Flames game day. They welcome the Edmonton Oilers tonight for the first BOA of the year. Uh, preseason version. The rosters are up on the on the Pat Steinberg's twist, uh, Twitter. X if you want to go check them out. Uh, it's going to be a good one tonight. Uh, 6 o'clock Flames pregame, 7 o'clock Flames and Oilers. If you want to uh, listen to the Blue Jays, you can stream them on the Sportsnet app. And uh, the Hitmen and Broncos are on our alternate feed. Uh, Jay's Talk Plus is next. I'm not here on Monday. I'll be back on Tuesday. Uh, Enjoy your weekend. Stay safe out there. uh, And uh, keep it locked right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.